0: Well, in the process of all of this, we have failed to take our offering, um, and so uh, in a moment we'll, we'll pray. I, before we launch into this morning, uh, I just want to take a moment and uh, give a great uh, thanks to the Lord for uh, the Ignite Student Ministry. Uh, uh, last week, not yesterday, but a week before, there was uh, about 40 students and adults that uh, did what we were talking about called Mulch Madness. And an amazing amount of, uh, there were six students uh, that don't even attend Mission View that jumped in and helped with mulch madness. Uh, 16 homes they mulched. And uh, are you ready for this? They did over 120 yards of mulch. Let's thank the Lord for that, man. So uh, if you are a part of the Ignite uh, student ministry, thank you so much. And how many of you, uh, they mulched your house? Just uh, raise your hand. number of you, you're so thankful. You look so fresh today because uh, they have mulched uh, around your house, and I'm sure they did a great job. So uh, let's take a minute. Uh, we'll take our offering, and let's pray and just make sure that our hearts are right for, uh, for opening up God's Word. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you again that we can come to you. People that are burdened, people that are hurting, people that are struggling. And yet there's also an incredible victory and a celebration that we can have through your son, Jesus Christ. And so we come today as a body of believers. And we're all over the scale. And yet there is a common bond that brings us together, and his name is Jesus. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus Who loves us. And so this morning, Lord, as we open up your word, I pray that it would not be routine. I pray that as we look at your word this morning, we would see it through fresh eyes and we would say, Lord, what would you have me to know? What would you have me to do? What would you have me to be? Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we can come together as a body of believers that we can give. We can give for your kingdom. We can give to see uh, uh, an impact in our church and our community all over the world. And we give not because we're coerced. We give because it's, a, it's an overflow of the love that we have for you. We give because it is a privilege to give to the body of Christ that as you have given us much, we give in return. And the fact, Lord, that you have died for our sins and rose again it is enough to thank you and praise you for all eternity. And so we give this morning because we can and because you have given to us. We ask now that as we open up your word, that we would honor you. And then again, we would be challenged, that we would be different people, and that we would make an impact in our world, in our circle. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let me just say real quick that I have missed being here Uh, It has been four weeks since I have been here. Uh, I have been at Maranatha Bible Church. uh, Lead pastor, Pastor Butch and Pastor uh, Bruce, Uh, they were in Thailand doing some training with underground church pastors. And so I was told, you need to be at Maranatha. You need to be uh, uh, doing the services but I have truly missed being here. I don't say that just to say it because there's places I don't miss being at all. Uh, But I really have missed coming down here and being with you. And uh, I'm not asking that you say, oh, Craig, we miss you too. But if there's one, that's great. Um, And so uh, really appreciate this ministry. Um, And uh, uh, so... uh, uh, it's, it, on the way down here, my wife's here with me today, uh, said, uh, she goes, uh, are you excited about coming back down to Mission View? And I said, I really am. I really am excited about being able to come back and to be able to share God's word and to be able to get to know each other a little bit more. I was, uh, I had a hard time sleeping last night. I was praying and praying and praying about our, our extended prayer time together. Just that uh, you would sense the, the strength of this ministry you would sense what God is doing here and that we're, we're more than just a person. We're a body of believers that God can use for his glory. And so uh, it's, it's really good uh, to be back. And um, so thankful for you and for what God is doing in your life and what he's teaching you. So. Well, let's start out this morning with a, a question. What do the following movies all have in common? Lord of the Rings, Toy Story, Star Wars, Finding Nemo, The Hunger Games. You're like, I don't have a clue. Each one of those movies and at least one scene of those movies, there is a part where there is deception that goes on in the movie. Now, if you're looking for a top-of-the-line the movie that has deception laced all the way through it, it has to be the 2002 movie called Catch Me If You Can, uh, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, how many of you have seen that movie Catch Me If You Can? It's an incredible movie uh, of a true story of a guy named Frank uh, Albendale. And Frank Albendale, uh, at the age of 19, posed as a lawyer, as a teacher, as a doctor, and as a pilot and got away with it. He had no education whatsoever, but at the age of 19, he deceptively posed as these occupations and he duped people out of millions upon millions of dollars. He didn't do any of those things. He wasn't any of those things. He was just some kid that had just graduated from high school. But confidently he was able to hoodwink or deceive people into giving him money. And people bought into his deception and for many the consequences were devastating. How many of you here just with a raise of hands have ever been hoodwinked by someone? You, you, you've been deceived by somebody. Uh, maybe it's uh, a relationship where you have been deceived. Or maybe it's a work related environment where you feel like somebody has uh, done something, said something that you think, ah, that, that's just not right. Maybe somebody comes across as being homeless, and when you find out they've got a bigger house and a better house than you do, you feel hoodwinked, you feel deceived. The slick car salesman that tells you exactly what you want to hear, but the bottom line looks a little bit different. You feel Deceived. Or the timeshare guy. Anybody ever get into a timeshare where it's like, oh man, okay, I guess I'll give you my money. And at the end you think, man, somewhere I feel like I was, what? Hoodwinked or deceived. We've all been there. I was reading a while back where uh, it said, if the enemy could have three tools in his satanic toolbox that he uses to steal, kill, and destroy the abundant life that we have in Christ. It would be fear. It would be doubt. And it would be what? Deception. Deception. And as we have been walking through the book of Joshua together, we have seen time and time and time again how God has cared for his people. God has raised up a courageous and capable leader by the name of Joshua who takes the people of Israel uh, across the Jordan River at flood stage, he has set them into the promised land. He has settled them there, a land promising them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land, a, a place where they would inhabit and inherit. But the promised land had a lot of responsibility involved with it. The promised land was also a problem land. Because before Israel got there, there were people that had settled in. There were pagan tribes that were all over the land that God had ordained for the people of Israel to have. And these pagan tribes sat there, and they were not willing to budge. And God says, listen, you as Israelites, you're going to have to clean house. You're going to have to go from tribe to tribe to tribe and make war, and I will give you the victory. And we saw, as we've been going through Joshua, that, we, that the Lord gave them victory in Jericho, the Lord gave them victory in Ai, and they've learned some hard lessons in the process. But word has gotten out to these pagan tribes. Israel is on the move. Uh, they are coming after you. Now, the Israelites, if you have followed with us through our series, they have experienced victory after victory after victory. And victory feels good, doesn't it? I mean, when we do something successful, when we have victory in in an area of our lives, we feel good about that. But there is a warning. And the warning is always this. Be careful because after every victory, we have a tendency to become vulnerable. And we let our guard down. And that's when the enemy can so quickly jump in, assaulting and with a mindset of deception. And This is the case here in Joshua 9. Meet me in Joshua 9 this morning. And we're going to see this unfold before us. The Israelites are about ready to be hoodwinked in what is going on here in Joshua 9. Even though they've experienced all this victory, they have let their guard down in such a way that they will be deceived by a pagan tribe. The first thing we see here is the gathering of the pagan tribes in verses 1 and 2. Follow along in Joshua 9. As soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country... And in the lowland, all along the coast of the Great Sea toward Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, Gigabites, Hebites, Jebusites, Mosquito bites, whatever it is, heard of this, they gathered together as one to fight against Joshua and Israel. All of these pagan tribes are realizing if we don't do something now, we're going to be next on the list. And so they rally. They rally and they say, you know what? Why don't we join forces together and go up against the God of Israel and his people? So they decide to band together to fight against Israel. The fact that these tribes who hated each other, fought against each other, uh, uh, were in contention with spoils from each other. The fact that they were able to band together is truly impressive. Truces are made with these pagan tribes. Alliances are formed. If you've ever seen Survivor, if you've ever seen the show Survivor, anyone? Yeah, it's been out like for 100 years now, every season. Uh, But they make alliances, not because they like each other, but because numbers have a way of moving people forward than if you were alone And so they're outplaying and outwitting and outlasting each other. And they're building momentum. And they're going to go against Israel, the God of Israel. So these pagans are rising up and coming together. But not all of Israel's enemies are sold out about going to war against Israel. There is one tribe called the Gibeonites, And the Gibeonites said, there is no possible way that we are going to be able to to take on Israel. There's no way. So they decide that they are going to pursue peace with Israel. But they're going to pursue peace the wrong way. They're going to do it through what? Deception. Deception. We see the deception of the Gibeonites in verses 3 to 15. Follow along. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they on their part acted with cunning and went and made ready provisions and took worn out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins, worn out and torn and mended with worn out patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes. All their provisions were dry and crumbling. And they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country, so now make a covenant with us. But the men of Israel said to the Gibeonites, Perhaps you live among us. How can, we, how can we make a covenant with you? And they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Well, who are you? And where did you come from? And they said to him, said to him From a very distant country your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard a report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites. Jump down to verse 11. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country said to us, Take provisions in your hand for the journey and go and meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Come now, make a covenant with us. Here is our bread. It was still warm when we took it from our houses as our food for the journey on the day we set out to come to you, but now behold, it's dry and crumbling. These wineskins were new when we, when we filled them, and behold, they have burst. And these garments and sandals of ours are worn out from the very long journey. So the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. The motives of the Gibeonites is dripping with Deception. They went great lengths to deceive Joshua and the people. Look at the deceptive things that they did to get on the good graces of Israel. They appeared to be something that they were not. The first thing is they came to Joshua appearing as if they had come from a far country. Twice, twice Joshua says, hey, where where are you guys from? You, You could possibly be our neighbors. Where are you from? And they never give an accurate answer oh we're, we're, we're from a far country they were 25 miles away from where the israelites were in Gilgal, but they did not want to say that so they looked as if they had come from this far away country but never said where they actually were from that's a form of deception they arrived with donkeys filled with worn out sacks and old wineskins, worn out clothes and sandals Again, giving the impression that they have traveled a long way as they come into the camp of Israel in Gilgal. They even say this You know, when we left our home, we had bread, and it was fresh, and it was still warm, and now look, it is crumbling and is moldy, and you're a liar! They're lying! They are lying right there. We had, oh, all of these things were new, but we've come from such a far country. and Now now look at our bread. It's moldy and crumbling. They're deceiving the Israelites. And then in verses 8, 9, and 11, they use the servant card to persuade them. Three times they, they say, but we're your servants. We're, we're your servants. There's this false sense of humility here. Verse 8, we are your servants. Verse 9, from a very distant country your servants have come. Uh, verse 11, we are your servants. Make a covenant with us. There's this sense of false humility here. Deception, friends, and flattery often work hand in hand. You know anyone that's deceived you? You know anyone in the midst of that tries flattery to get something from you that you weren't expecting? They give you this line about themselves or the situation that they're in and you maybe give in to that and you find out later, I've just been duped into a lie. Deception. Each time they are asking that Joshua and the leaders would make a covenant with them. Verse 6, verse 11 Verse 15, they keep saying, make a covenant with us. Make a covenant with us. Make a covenant with us. We've come from a far, far country. Well, there's some lessons that they're going to learn the hard way. There's some warnings here even for us today. Warning number one, avoid the expediency rule. So what do you mean, expediency rule? Webster defines expediency as the quality of being convenient or practical despite, despite possibly being improper or immoral. The Gibeonites did whatever it took to expedient themselves, to avoid the situation, to get out of the hardship that they're in. They will go and they will, they will be deceptive, even if it's immoral, even if it's, if it's improper. And we need to make sure that we don't have the same mindset. In your workplace, in your marriage, with your kids. I mean, let's, let's be honest with our kids. Our kids can be pretty deceptive at times, okay? Uh, they can lie so quickly. Let's make sure that we don't enact the expediency rule. That we want to try to get out of our situation as quickly as we can when we face hardship in our life by deception. If the Gibeonites would have just come to them and said, Listen, we have come. They humble themselves. They turn to the living God. I don't think deception would have been necessary here. The second thing we see is make sure your intentions are pure. They lied about their intentions. Look at verse 9. They told Joshua that they wanted a covenant because they had heard about the wonders of the Lord God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. That's a lie. That is a lie. Maybe they heard about what was going on in Egypt, but notice that they did not mention Jericho or Ai. Why? It would have given them away. It would have blown their cover. And they say, oh no, we want to make a covenant with you because we have heard of the great wonders that God has done. That's not true. Uh, They are coming to Israel to make a covenant so that Israel doesn't wipe them out. We see another warning here. Be careful in making decisions based on appearance. You ever make a decision based on an appearance? Some of you are like, oh yeah, I married him. I married her. I made a bad decision. Okay, We often make a decision based on what we see. And instead of inquiring of the lord you'll notice where it says here so the men took some of their provisions but did not ask counsel from the lord look at verse 14 uh, i just read it so the men took some of the provisions But did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. So Joshua and the leadership makes a covenant with the Gibeonites without first bringing it to the attention of the Lord. This covenant that Joshua makes um, is not only promising to spare their lives, but if someone goes and attacks the Gibeonites, they will fight for them. They have made a covenant with the pagan tribe. Can I just say this for us at Mission View? No matter how good things look, no matter how certain things may seem, you will never, ever go wrong with inquiring with the Lord. No matter how good things may appear, no matter if you say, I see it, I know it, I believe it, You'll never go wrong in asking for the counsel and wisdom of God. How many of you have made a decision by appearance alone and you should have said, you know what? I should have prayed about that. I should have asked God to reveal that to me. Was this the right decision? But what I saw, I believed. But I never inquired of the Lord. This is the mistake that Joshua and the leadership make. They came They give the appearance that they come from a far country. And yet Joshua and the leaders never inquired of the wisdom and counsel of God. He sees things that we do not see. And he has a way of bringing deception to light. Now, we're coming up on the summer. And it's vacation time. How many of you are planning on going on vacation? Yeah, and you know what? You probably have made plans already. But probably in the wintertime, you said, you know what, I would love to go to the beach. And so you go online, and you find a picture like this, and you find yourself saying, this is it. Incredible beach, secluded, manicured, I mean, it's so beautiful, look at those waves, and the description online is like, this is the best getaway you will ever have. You and your lover will spend quality time together, alone, walking on the beach and singing songs to each other, blah, 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 blah. And you buy into it. and You're like, man, I have got to go to this beach. But when you get there, it looks like this. And you're like, are you kidding me? And there's chairs everywhere. And kids are screaming. I love kids, but kids are screaming. And you're thinking, no, this is not what I bought into. You feel what? Deceived. You feel deceived. Let me give you another one that I, oh, just gets under my skin. Is this? You don't even know what I'm gonna say. But it says family, family what? Family size. This is not family size. You are buying a half a bag of air. You know what I'm talking about. You'll get in the grocery store and you'll think, oh yeah, yeah, and you open it up and you pour it into a bowl and you're like, what? This is deception. This is no family pack here. It's a a family of one and they're anorexic. I'm convinced of it. You feel deceived. I believe this is how Joshua and the leaders felt. Not about the Doritos, but the the Gibeonite situation. I love Alan Redpath. Maybe that rings a bell to you. Alan Redpath years ago went home to be with the Lord, but he said this. When common sense says that a course of action is right, beware, lift your head to God, for the path of faith and the path of blessing may be completely opposite to that which you call common sense. When voices tell you that action is urgent, that something must be done immediately, refer everything to our great God who sits on his throne full of wisdom and supreme discernment. You never will go wrong in inquiring of the Lord. Godly discernment triumphs over ungodly deception. I love Proverbs 4, 7 that tells us this. Wisdom is supreme. Get wisdom. Wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get wisdom, because wisdom is the principal thing. True or false, we live in a world that can be deceptive. That's true. Uh, People, places, things, deception. And don't you think as believers in Christ, we need to make sure that we live lives of wisdom and discernment. Though it costs you all you have, get wisdom, because wisdom is the principal thing. It's so easy today to be deceived by the world and to make a decision based on appearance alone. And yet we never inquire of the counsel of God. This is the mistake that they had made. Well, in verses 16 to 20, we see their scheme is discovered. Follow along in verses 16 to 20. At the end of the three days after they had made a covenant with them, they heard that that they were neighbors, that they lived among them. And the people of Israel set out and reached their cities on the third day. Now their cities were and it gives a number of the cities, verse 18. But the people of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured against the leaders. But all the leaders said to all the congregation, "We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we may not touch them. This we will do to them. Let Let them live lest wrath be upon us because of the oath that we swore to them. Sooner or later, deceit and lies has a way of coming to the surface, doesn't it? Maybe that's happened to you in your life. You bought into something and then all of a sudden you begin to see the truth rise to the surface. God will make that known. Truth will win in the end. And once they find out that they've been hoodwinked, they're not happy because they realize these are our neighbors. But they told us that they had come from a far country when they had not. And they regret making a covenant with them. Even though the covenant was made under false pretense, still under the law of Moses, it was considered a sacred, binding, and unbreakable covenant. Look at some of these verses that deal with keeping our word. Uh, Numbers 30, verse 2. If a man makes a vow to the Lord, it takes an oath to bind himself with a binding obligation. He shall not violate his word, he shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Proverbs 12, 19. The lips of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Numbers 32, 23, you can be sure this, your sin will find you out. Sooner or later, trickery is exposed and the truth came out. Well, how do the people of Israel respond to a covenant that's being made to these pagan tribes? They are upset and they would like to see this covenant broken. But here's here's what we learn again about Joshua he is a man of integrity. And even though he has made a covenant, and even though I would think that he would want to break that covenant, he realizes the fact that the covenant that he makes is binding. It is unbreakable. And if he breaks it, the wrath of God will come upon him and the people of Israel. And so he chooses to keep it. Keeping one's vow when an oath or a covenant was made was seen as far more sacred and far more binding than the covenants and vows that we make today. I think for a lot of us here, a modern day application is marriage. My wife and I have been married for 27 years. Uh, we stood uh, in front of a church and we held hands and, and we said to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for richer, uh, for richer or for poor." In sickness and in what? Health. Till death to, do we part. We made a covenant, a binding covenant before God. And then you see what's happening in our world today, and you see what's even happening amongst Christians today, where they are actually saying, listen, Bible or no Bible, I am getting out of this marriage. I am cutting my losses, and I am getting a divorce. And I've heard people say in a counseling room, say, Bible or no Bible, I'm getting a divorce. And I don't care that the Lord hates divorce. And then they'll say this. Besides, it doesn't determine my destiny. I can be saved and still get a divorce. Friends, that is very shaky ground when you hear people talking in that manner. Let's make sure that the vows that we make to someone, that they're true, they're binding, they're lasting, that God would bless that. Behind all deception is wrong thinking, which leads to wrong behavior. One vow, one word should be honored at all cost. They make a vow with the Gibeonites. The leadership and Joshua make this vow. The people are frustrated about this. And now we see living with the consequences of our decisions. All of you and me have had to live with the consequences of some of our decisions. Okay? Some of them are good consequences, good ramifications. Some of them are not I'm sure that each one of us in here have made a decision sometime in our life that we regret making. And here's what happens in verses 21 to 27. And the leaders said to them, let them live. So they became wood cutters, uh, they became cutters of wood and drawers of water for all the congregation, just as the leaders had said of them. Joshua summoned them and said to them, Why did you deceive us, saying, We're very far from you when you dwell among us. Now therefore you are cursed, and some of you shall never be anything but servants, cutters of wood, and drawers of water for the house of my God. They answered Joshua, Because it was told to your servants for a certainty that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. So we feared greatly for our lives because of you and did this thing. And now behold, we are in your hand. Whatever seems right and good in your sight to do to us, do it. So he did this to them and delivered them out of the hand of the people of Israel, and they did not kill them. But Joshua made them that day cutters of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place that he should choose." Have you ever heard the expression, you made your bed, now you're going to need to what? Sleep in it. This is a prime situation. They have made a bad decision, but they will now have to reap the consequences that come with that. We've all made decisions in our life. The decisions that you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. Some of us say, I regret making that decision. I'm sure Joshua and the leadership regret making that decision, but there will be ramifications and consequences for making that covenant with that pagan tribe. Now, they can't kill them, but they can punish them. And they punish them by making them woodcutters and water carriers. In other words, they're slaves the rest of their life. But interesting enough, we see in here and we'll see next week that Joshua commands them to serve near the tabernacle so they can be exposed to the one true God of Israel. But they're just slaves. And they'll have to live with the consequences. A mistake can be recognized in minutes. But the consequences could be felt for the rest of our lives. So when I talk to a man in Malawi, Africa, and I'm talking with him and I can tell he is feeble, he is frail, he is sick. And he says to me that years ago, he slept with multiple women and he got AIDS. He came to know the Lord. The man loves the Lord. But there are consequences to his sin. He has AIDS, and he will die. And he would tell you, he did not inquire of the Lord, and he would tell you that he did what he felt he wanted to do at that moment. But he will reap the consequences for a lifetime. The story of Joshua's reaction to the deception of the Gibeonites shows that we, we need to make sure that we are keeping our covenant before our great God. A couple things that this passage does. It helps us to see that whatever decision you're going to make, whatever major decision, I don't care where you get your gas, if it's, you know, Speedway or if it's Sheets, That's not a big thing I've got to inquire about the Lord of where I get gas. No, I don't think that's a big deal. But there are major decisions in our life that if we fail in inquiring the Lord, we will reap the consequences for that. I think we learn that from this passage. I think we also learn the importance of, we need to keep our covenant. Remember the day that you came to know Jesus Christ as your savior, and you yielded your life to him, and you made that bond, you made that vow, that covenant before him, that you would honor him with your life in this world. Are you keeping that covenant with him? I think it also helps us to see, don't make a covenant with the world. There are things that the world will throw at us every single day and it's so easy to get trapped into that. It's so easy to get hoodwinked. Remember to inquire of the Lord. God the Father has made a covenant to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ coming to this earth, God in the flesh, dwelling among us and telling us that he isn't just, he's not just the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me, that we would make a covenant to him, just as he has made an unbinding, unconditional covenant with us. And so the question is, God is not only a covenant maker, but also a covenant keeper. Are you? Are you today? Some of you may feel duped that you've been deceived by someone or something in your life. And you may have to sleep in that bed for a while. But there is a new day and there's a new dawn where God can use you. Sometimes we have this mindset. If I confess my sin to the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Isn't that enough? Why do I have to go through the consequences of that? Well, you certainly are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there are also times where there's consequences for the wrongdoing that we've done. And so maybe today you feel like you've been deceived and you feel like you are living with the consequences of a mistake that you've made. I would just say this to you. Though you cannot go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new end. That's what the Lord desires for us. Don't get into a situation like Joshua and the leadership where they made a quick covenant to someone without inquiring of the Lord. The Lord has something very special that he wants to do in our lives. Will we keep that covenant with him? He is the covenant maker. He is a covenant keeper. Will we do the same? Though you cannot go back and make a brand new start, Anyone can start from now and make a brand new end. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege and the honor of knowing you. And Lord, there are times that we have made some boneheaded decisions in our lives. And maybe we're still reaping some of the consequences of that. But Lord, you are a loving God and a caring God and a God that knows us better than we know ourselves. And so you can even use a bad mistake to bring you glory in the end. And so we thank you for the example that we have here of the Gibeonite deception. But Lord, help us that in our commitment and our covenant with you that we would Find ourselves saying, I will be a covenant maker and a covenant keeper, just as my great God is a covenant maker and a covenant keeper. We thank you for this morning for how you've changed our lives and how you made a covenant with us that is unconditional. You love us so much. If we have made a covenant with you today, Lord, may we not break it, may we not walk away. May we find ourselves embracing the life that we have in Jesus because you are worth it all. We thank you. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.